This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Burst. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And today, you'll notice that there's nobody sitting next to me. They're a little bit further over. We're chatting with Matt. So today we are chatting with Matt here on Life Burst. Now, Matt, as we do with all of our guests, and it's normally the question you actually ask, but I'm going to ask it today because mm. I can. Where did life start out for you? Well, my life has been uh, moved all over the place. So mm-hmm. uh, I hear people who say they've lived in one place all their life and uh, never moved from kind of the same town, the same people. Um, I've moved 14 times. I moved house over my life. Uh, but life started out in Adelaide. Um, born at, at Flinders Medical Centre. Uh, my family were, were based in Adelaide, so that's where it started out for me. Um, but Dad was in the bank, and uh, as he sort of progressed through his job and moved up to management, that caused us to move around a lot. So we moved from Adelaide after a few years to Renmark in the Riverland of South Australia, and uh, spent a few years there, moved to two, another house there as well as a part of that that move. Uh, and then back to Adelaide to the home that mum and dad had built. Um, and by then, I think uh, a couple of my siblings had come along, uh, a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. What type of things did you get up to in Adelaide with them? Well, I don't remember, remember so much about the siblings in that that stage. We did have mum and dad built that house just for, uh, as they were married. And um, so it was kind of in a, a new area there was always a block behind us that was never built on during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember it getting a lot of long grass uh, at at times of the year and we would go and jump the back fence and collect all these caterpillars and uh, have a bit of fun like that. But it was near the beach and uh, so a lot of time down, down at the beach in the southern suburbs of Adelaide um, playing, just really having a a great time. Um, I had some good mates back then that, that I still see. We, we've lost touch a little bit, um, but we did keep in touch for a lot of years. Um, one friend lived just around the corner, um, so we, we had regular catch-ups. Um, but didn't, didn't get it to, up to too much great adventure in those those early days. So were you a water person at the beach or a sand person? Oh, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure when I really started swimming well. Um, the beach can be a bit dicey as far as, you know, child, how safe it is for children, you know, depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were down there pretty regularly. Um, it was just we were literally a couple of blocks walk. Um, so, uh, yeah, plenty of times. We had boogie boards. Uh, we Yeah, good, good fun. So at some point you then had to move again because of your dad's work. Where yeah, so go? from there we moved uh, to Port Lincoln uh, in on the Air Peninsula of South Australia. Uh, we only had 18 months there. Um, that was that was a bit challenging. Each time we moved we had to, well, I had to uh, reinvent myself in a way, make new friends. You'd start off with, uh, it, yeah, it took, took some time to, to get mm-hmm. to know new people um we had a neighbor there who was uh, in high school i was still in primary school and and he uh he he came around and i remember playing with him a fair bit um 
at one point we embarrassed him because some of his mates walked past and we were playing some game with tennis rackets, you know, pow, pow. And, oh, <laughs> right. and he's like, oh, no. So, <laughs> you play uh, little kids. <laughs> that's right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, poor guy. Um, but, you know, by then, you know, my younger brother, he was pretty little, but we'd, we'd start riding around the place and going for rides. There was a, a park up not too far from us that had some some bike jumps and things. So probably a few injuries in the process, but uh enjoyed that i got into cubs like the junior version of scouts mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had a few years doing that there played minky mini hockey uh, but we were only there 18 months so it was really a short stint before we moved off again and uh, this time sort of uh, towards the end of primary school we moved to malala and the, the sort of mid north of south australia just not far north of of adelaide but a farming community uh, Dad was the manager in the bank there, and uh, suddenly I had friends who had farms and uh, whose dad took us out on the header, and uh, I, at one point we rode out to a friend's place from town. It must have been a weekend and didn't tell, but just forgot to tell mum and dad where we were going. How do you do that anyway? Well, you know, we just kept riding. He said, oh, oh okay. so uh, we went out there, got into a bit of trouble for that, Um but yeah, it was really great, great country life in, in a way. Um, being out, a lot of bikes in those early days. Yeah. So, how far away is Port Lincoln from Adelaide CBD, the capital city of South Australia? Oh, well, you've got to, it takes a day to drive, really, okay. a good eight or so hours to drive to Port Lincoln. So, we had a lot of friends come visit uh, during that time, um, gave them a spot, a tourist spot to come to, and <laughs> yeah. they could stay free accommodation with us. Uh, but yeah, whereas Malala's you know, driving distance, you can drive, you know, an hour you're in in the city or less. Mm-hmm. Mm. Malala. So where did you go next? Because I'm sure you went somewhere else. Yeah. Well, at that point, um, we uh, got to the end of primary school mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to then move to the Northern Territory. Uh, it, it was a that was a big move. That was probably the hardest because by that stage. I really did have some good friends, mm-hmm. um, whereas the previous place I was ex- kind of excited to leave from. We didn't didn't make close ties, but here at that stage of life, some good friends, um, and it was it was hard to go. But there was a bit of excitement because we were moving to the Northern Territory, um, the town called Nulamboy or Gove. Uh, some people might know it as, which is right in the northeast of Arnhem Land. Uh, It's a mining town and they mine uh, bauxite, which was then at the time uh, sent on this big conveyor belt to a processing plant and refined into alumina, which is then exported to make aluminium. So, um, yeah, big town. Uh, There was Aboriginal communities around as well. So a huge difference from a South Australian Mm -hmm. farming community community. but a beautiful, really, really good spot. A great part of the world. Uh, you know, the, the climate, the weather, so so different to South Australia, the tropical uh, places we could go. Um, being in the bank and being a mining town, um, we were provided with a, a house there and provided with a, a land cruiser to to go out and explore with you because you pretty well needed a four-wheel drive to go anywhere out of the town boundary. Mm-hmm. So uh, on weekends, we on, often would go out to beaches, um, places that were pretty well untouched by anyone but the locals, to uh, waterholes, places that you knew were safe to, 
relatively safe to swim in because uh, croc country. Uh, but uh, yeah, just love being up there. And um, it, although it was a long way from extended family in Adelaide, it was uh, yeah such a such a great place. And what about making friends? You've talked about that, that that was something a little bit challenging. You had to reinvent yourself again. Yeah. How do you do that? And what do you even mean by reinvent yourself? Yeah, well, it's a bit, it's probably not the right phrase, but yeah, that, that one in particular was a, a different, I, I was through, you know, year seven, I moved and I'd started to, sh- to get taller than everyone else. And so I arrived in this new place and uh, suddenly everyone said, oh, you're tall. You must be good at rugby uh so oh, come play for us rugby um yeah, yeah this was a uh, yeah south australia very aussie rules focused mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. up there there were people from eastern states and all over so there was a group playing touch rugby um which is you know a safer version where you don't tackle yes. um so they uh yeah they were immediately like keen to recruit me to do that and i'd never played and uh they soon found out that I wasn't very good. <laughs> Some people are, you know, sports people, they're pretty coordinated. It's their thing. Um, that never came easily to me. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, right. Well, that's not the group that I'm probably going to click with. Um, and so you, you go and find new groups and, and find where you belong. And there were some, some. Uh, there was one guy in particular, he was not real nice about it. He really did actively bully um, me and others at that time. Um yeah, challenging, um, but we got through. Yeah, we will come back uh, straight after this for more of Matt's story here on Life Verse with Matt and Sarah. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. Welcome back to Life Verse. So we're chatting with Matt today because it is Life Verse with Matt and Sarah. Mm. So we're chatting with Matt. Uh, pick up. Let's pick up the story where we left off. Yeah, uh, so it had to do with bullies um, at at that point. Uh, so when you asked about reinventing yourself, mm-hmm. um, uh, I for whatever reason at that point I didn't didn't react and and fight back. I just felt right. I need to just um, take this uh, and 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 I did, and he got bored and stopped so is it really that easy though uh it wasn't easy but um fortunately he didn't get you know to anything that caused too much damage um it was at school and uh so there were other people around but uh, yeah that that was a bit unsettling but i eventually found a group of people that i could uh, become you know that we got along um probably some other misfits that's probably how it works uh but eventually, as I got into high school, which was a separate school mm-hmm. there, I uh, found a group of um, of friends who were a part of a youth group. Um, now, I'd grown up going to church, mm-hmm. uh, dragged along, uh, particularly in my uh, those early years around Malala. I just really didn't want to be a part. It was uh, boring. Know, it was boring, yeah. I believed all the stuff. That's all good. But why do we have to can't we just sleep in or have fun on a Sunday morning? That was, uh, I guess, what a lot of kids go through, that that, that phrase. And you know, small country churches, I guess, that's that's fairly common as well. Um, but here uh, there were a group of, of people who had a faith, a Christian faith. They were genuinely uh, fun and sincere people. And it seemed like for them that they uh, didn't just 
go through the motions, but that they had a genuine love for God, uh, that they actually wanted to read the Bible for themselves, something that I'd not done myself, even though we had one somewhere at home. Uh, that they, yeah, that they, they, I wanted to be around them, and so they, they offered a youth group on a Friday night that was connected to the church. And although at first I was a little bit scared to jump on board, it's something new. Uh, was it because they were like so excited about this thing that you were like, yeah, okay, well I know everything, like it doesn't matter, like? Uh, they, um, just, oh, I think just initially they were just fun people, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, I eventually got over the sort of fear of going, and and they we just did fun stuff every every week, um, games, capture the flag, and um, soccer, and just uh, it was just a lot of fun. I just really wanted to be there. But the the leader, to his credit, just sat us down, um, you know, after the fun each week, and sometimes even for an hour, he'd sit down and he'd just teach stuff from the Bible and. Uh, I think through that I slowly saw, yeah, this is this is worth thinking about, and uh, my uh, issues of boredom and all those things of, of wanting to like go my own way melted away through that. Um, and it wasn't until a camp, the youth group went on a camp, had a, a guest speaker come along and challenge the group to, uh, you know, if you call yourself a Christian, don't be a submarine Christian. That was his his phrase. Uh, who goes under the surface through the week. No one knows you're there, but you pop up on Sunday and then you go back under again. And that struck me. I thought, yeah, I probably do that. I'm a bit ashamed of what I believe through the week and I don't live it out. And Why did you feel ashamed? Oh, I think, uh, you know, especially at school, um, it, you know, to any of the God staff, it's it's not cool. Um, it wasn't in that circle. So, uh yeah, you you want to keep that a bit quiet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I did. But at that point, I uh, well, I prayed at the end of that camp that God would give me a passion to make a difference. And uh, for me, that prayer was was answered in a way that I can't explain, but I, just something bubbled up inside. And I went back to school, and I couldn't help but. Uh, you know, even not just hang out with the same friends that I would, had been hanging out with, but to take notice of the the kids who were on the outer that no one else was playing with, or the ones that were usually picked on, um, mm-hmm. just to have some compassion. And and uh, I got uh, cops some criticism for that, you know, for hanging out with with the people that everyone else um, would criticise. So. Um, and I wanted to go to school, uh, rather not so much for the learning and all that, but to, mm-hmm. just to, to be with people and to to make a difference. So uh, my whole attitude changed in that, you know, in that camp, in that prayer. Um, How old were you? That was in year nine at school. So, so in year nine, everything changed and suddenly you had this compassion to want to be with other people. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely a purpose. I, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. some of that was already there um, mm-hmm. in, in who I'm made to be. Uh, but yeah, it did It did make a big difference. Um, did your parents and family notice the difference, do you think? Probably I started talking about things a bit more and I kind of wanted, like I didn't have my own Bible and I got given one about that time and so I could look into it for myself. Uh, it was around that time that I got into radio as well, um, and that was uh, due to someone from the church who ran a uh, program on a Sunday night. Uh, he They had a baby, so he was looking for someone to take it on. And mm-hmm. um, I actually did that 
you know, when we moved there, I was still in year seven. So before that camp, but. So uh, when you were in year seven, you started doing radio. Started doing radio, right. community radio in back seven. in year seven. So, so was that like 12, 13 years old? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Maybe not even <laughs> that. And it was terrible. Like I've got the cassette tapes back home of the recordings of the show. Uh, yeah, it was a learning curve, but uh, a great, great opportunity. What and did I, you talk about? I mostly played music to start off with, okay. but uh, especially as we went on, realised, uh, especially after that camp, that radio is a way to be a companion to people, um, mm-hmm. so as is TV, that uh, you have the opportunity to be with people in the car, at home, uh, if someone's got the radio on, they've got company, and there's some people who you might be their only company, so uh, in the words that are said, you can make and brighten someone's day. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Gove FM, shout out to, to them over there. <laughs> they got my start on radio. Great. Mm. So what happened next? Uh, well, we moved to Darwin after that. Dad got another move, so had to uproot from that really close, uh, encouraging group of people. And so I had my last three years of high school in Darwin. Again, new school. A new group of friends mm-hmm. um, had to, but with this passion to make a difference. Um, so again, I found myself drifting to the, once I got settled, drifting to the the outsider and helping them and wanting to help my church there to run a youth group like I'd experienced that would give meaning to young people, mm-hmm. uh, helping with uh, other groups to run camps for the, the whole Darwin area for young people to wow. help the churches come together mm-hmm. uh, and again, I got involved in radio there, um, able to continue to run a show, to uh, play music and requests, and eventually a, a youth program that uh, we you know, were able to play specific music and offer some encouragement to young people. Uh, and eventually I got uh, took on the, the brekkie show when I finished school there as well. So getting up, this was unpaid, it was all voluntary, mm-hmm. but getting up early and working through... Uh, helping people wake up for the day and <laughs> get them moving what drew you back to radio all the time you could have gone anywhere you could have done any other type of hobby but you went to radio yeah I guess it's a pretty unique hobby I mean I, like I said I was never a sports person although I did try a few sports um, and yeah once I got started I love music um, it's a great I mean at very least you get to play the music you like and listen yeah, to it I agree with um, that <laughs> but I, yeah I also saw that opportunity that it was a way I could make a difference uh by being a part of, of that, you, you don't know who's listening, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a chance that you're there for someone in a time of need. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're doing radio. You're bringing churches from all across that part of Darwin together, and you're trying to fit into a new school to finish off Year Twelve. That's a lot going on. Yeah, there. it was. I filled my spare time pretty well. Uh, when I finished school, I became a, well, I needed to find work. Okay. Um, didn't specifically know what I wanted to do. I think that's a fairly common story. Mm. Uh, some of my friends were really clear, but I had no idea. So, um, yeah, I had to work out what to do next. And when we come back, we'll find out what that is here on Life First with Matt and Sarah. <laughs> Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. Welcome back to Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. Today I am chatting with Matt, sharing his life story, which is pretty cool. 
you are now up in Darwin. You're doing so much stuff in the community, connecting churches, and you're doing a radio show, and you've just finished school, and now you've got to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, during high school, I got a job um, as a checkout chap, not a chick, uh, on the checkout at uh, at Coles, and so that was good. I actually really enjoyed that because it, it was people, and you, got, you to, got to talk to people. Yeah, it's just. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a burden to do that. Um, so I did that and I carried that on. I knew I could just do that for a bit as well after school, but I didn't know jumping into university, there was a bit of a question mark around what I would do. Maybe teaching, it wasn't quite clear. So I decided I'd take a year off and uh, to throw myself into volunteering at the radio station in particular and, and building on all the other volunteer things I'd done. Uh, which is where the uh, that's at the point that I started doing the Brecky show and helping to make ads and do a bit of production. Uh, but I then changed jobs and became a telephonist. Okay. So a uh, unique job. That Basically my job was in a hotel, the mm-hmm. Holiday Inn at the time, mm-hmm. to uh, be taking the phone calls from outside the hotel and within the hotel and to pass those calls on in the right direction. Right. So you got to do with people, but I suppose you just weren't able to have that sort of connection with them like you would at Coles on the checkout. Yeah, a bit different. Um, Yeah, so the phone calls you really weren't able to have anything deep and meaningful, (laughs) but it was good to meet the staff. Um, You're in a a back office area with with staff coming in and out, so I, I enjoyed that as well. Plus you got to eat for lunch whatever was left over from the buffet breakfast, uh, you know, the hash browns and things. So, uh, yeah, that was a win. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I had this fancy uh, microphone and you'd take calls and you'd send them to the restaurant or the reservations. Uh, um, Yeah, so it was a pretty unique job with this big panel switchboard in front of you, which, uh, yeah, interesting times. Yes, it sounds like you had a great time. But For for a while there, though, I was had to work that job uh, sort of from nine o'clock before my radio program finished. Uh, oh, so okay. I had, the, I worked out this system of uh, starting the show when I was playing songs while I was on the radio. I would jump to the studio next door, record what I was going to say for the last hour okay. in there, and then slot them into the computer program so that I could then leave. <laughs> <laughs> drive to work, listening to myself on radio, and the Brecky show was complete. And uh, I'd say nobody ever knew, but there were a few times I was driving to work and I'd say, what a beautiful morning as it was bucketing with rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, well. So there you go. So, I've um, done it. But at some point in time you met your now wife, Rebecca. Mm. Tell us how you met each other. Yeah, well, Beck had uh, done an exchange, Rotary exchange to Canada during her high school and then come back to Adelaide to uh, finish her year 12. And in the meantime, her parents had moved up to Darwin to uh, change life and, and run a backpackers hostel. And they left her in Adelaide with uh, with her sister um, to finish that off. Mm-hmm. So when Beck finished year 12, she moved up to stay with her parents again in Darwin and study up in the Territory. It's a... I had the job, uh, you know, as the youth leader at the church to make her feel welcome. Oh, and, uh, so she was a young person. Show her around, yeah. Okay. So uh, and uh, so, but we we got to know each other, 
And uh, in long story short, we uh, basically met in January. She moved up and we were married by December. Okay, so we're not going to skip over any details. Yet. So what did you do? Like look across the room and we're like, yeah. Or, yeah, something like, like how that. How did it happen? Something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there was a, cu- a couple of um, newbies up there that I was showing around and getting to know, but eventually back in, I got to, to uh, hang out a bit more and and uh, that progressed and with a bit of pushing from, uh, you know, her mum. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so things were, things were uh, moved along probably quicker than at my pace, but um, that worked out really well um, in the long run. So you met each other and were married in nine months. Is that what you just said? Uh, oh, yeah, well, within less than 12 months. Less so. than 12 months. Mm. So that this, this was now the second year of my year off. Because I still right. didn't really know what I wanted to and you do. Got married. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was still in Darwin, and and through that I started to think about well, what I want to make a difference. I I don't really know what I want to do, but I have come to understand that you know what I this love for God that I have and God's love for people is really important, and not everyone's getting that. I was watching my friends. Uh, leave the church because they found it boring they hadn't had the same connection that i had i was watching um seeing churches in a way doing what they'd always done but not connecting the, the great message with people so well i can leave or i can perhaps i can do something about it so maybe there's something in that for me so after a long process uh ended up moving down to adelaide at the end of 2002 with Rebecca with Rebecca and we got married uh so there's a photo of that um and uh we uh we got married and Beck's parents also moved down we used the same shipping container to move down oh how cute (laughs) (laughs) and that following year uh, 2003 I started study uh training to be a minister Uh, not quite sure where that would lead but I thought I might as well start um, whether minister, you know, some kind of ministry in the church or beyond uh, was ahead for me. I wasn't quite sure, but at least if I start study, it might lead somewhere. And what was Rebecca doing during this time? Uh, yeah, married? so Beck went through a few different uh, changes with her study, but, uh, well, eventually came out as a teacher um, and uh, majoring in psychology, uh, able to teach Christian studies and a few things, which mm. she's gone on to do. And how long have you been married for now? Well, we are coming up, so 2002, so it'll be, yeah, 19 years. Yeah, congratulations. Mm. Yeah. That's very exciting. So uh, it's, it's been good. So you and Beck were living back here in Adelaide and you studying and mm. what were you doing at the same time to pay bills and those types of things? Yeah, well, I got a job back at Coles again, um, back on the checkout, Uh but that was alongside study, so it was a, it was a bit different. And we found a church that we could be a part of. Initially, we thought, well, let's be married and not get so heavily involved in youth things. And um, but we couldn't help ourselves, and we got pretty much involved <laughs> right away. And that was a fairly large church. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw some really good things happen there. Uh, just just volunteering on a Friday night. So mm-hmm. you know, as a young married couple, we enjoyed that. We had time and energy to to do that. Um, but then I got a job uh, as a youth pastor at a different church. Okay. So basically paid to uh, lead a group of young people. Um, it involved preaching. It involved 
um, coordinating teams, uh, helping to run youth groups or leading teams who did kind of the things that I'd been doing and some of the things that I thought might be ahead for me as a, as a minister. Uh, so it was a really good fit and, uh, again, a really good season. Lots of young people passionate about what they believed, um, great bunch of musicians and people who we saw people coming to, uh, you know, who are lost finding hope in Jesus through that time and being baptized. So that was a pretty, pretty exciting thing to be a part of. Mm. And now, did you get up to any type of travel or anything like that? Or were you just solely focused on studying and working? And yeah, things? we did get away to New Zealand for a trip before kids um, back in that time as well. But one of the significant trips that we did, um, not that we've been overseas a lot, was during during my time at uh, youth as a youth pastor, yeah. uh, I uh, got asked to lead a group of young people to Thailand. Ooh. Oh, that's exciting. uh, We'll come back and hear more about that straight after this here on Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut community service announcement. This is Life Bus with Matt and Sarah, and today I am chatting with Matt. Yay! We <laughs> are on a journey, like definitely on a journey. Mm. And you are now in Thailand. You have gone overseas with a group of young people. Mm. Thailand, right. I have never been to Thailand, and when I go to Thailand, what am I in for? Yeah, well, we we did some of the things that you might be in for as a tourist. Uh, this okay. was just a short term, couple of weeks trip. Um, mm-hmm. I had a it was a group of girls that we took over. Rebecca came as well, so that was fortunate. <laughs> so um, was we, it just you of a group of girls? Or? Well, Beck and I and the group of girls, um, which was which was, worked out well. Um, <laughs> have Beck with me? Um, oh, yeah, I could. But that. it was yeah, <laughs> we. Uh, yeah, Thailand was eye-opening. I think anyone who's been to another country or an Asian country, the the smells, the uh, there's just so many. It's a, it's, a, it's an assault on the senses. The different things that you experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some real positive ones. There's others that are just just strange and different. Uh, the languages and things. But we were looked after by um, a group of young people from some churches over there. It was a, a church-organized trip. And although we did some tourist things, they did look after us. They also took us to some places off the tourist route where uh, there were some real needs, Uh, people living in slums. We visited a slum and talked to some people there, uh, a couple of slums, Uh, an orphanage. Uh, We chatted to people who uh, at the time were helping um, the Karen people who were fleeing from, from Myanmar, Burma, across the border. Uh, and how we're working with them and helping them to have a, a life in Thailand. Um, there was sex trafficking, uh, people who worked with them. So we, we were exposed to a whole lot of things that mm. tourists might not see, um, but are very real issues. And uh, what was amazing, uh, which we probably didn't grasp our heads around being being young at the time, is um, we could go and you could buy a pud tie for the equivalent of, say, 15 cents of our, um, our dollar. But the difference that 
you know, a donation might have gone to help these organisations who were really making a difference. What's just a little for us can go a long way for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a that was a huge experience um, to go over there and have that um, because I was a you know training to be a pastor. We <laughs> turned up. We stayed with. We got split up at one point. All the the groups. Beck and I were with one uh, one guy. We stayed with him. And the night before bed, he said, uh, well, he'd asked me in the car on the way if I'd be happy to do a reading. And I thought, okay, I'll read something from the Bible, whatever you like me to do. And I said, yeah, yeah, no problems. Um, but before bed that night, he says, um, so what are you going to do your reading on? Um, and we worked out what he meant was that he'd like me to preach a sermon the next day at the church. <laughs> Uh, and so what was I going to talk about? Right. I said, oh, right, okay. So we, uh, well, I spent a little bit of time um, and luckily I remembered something that I'd recently done back <laughs> in Australia and it was a surreal experience having to, with a translator, um, speak out a, a, a sentence and then have it translated, um, have them laugh at parts that you, they weren't supposed to laugh at <laughs> and, uh, and not respond to bits that they were, so... Um, but we got through, um, came back home, and uh, it was a worthwhile experience. You really appreciate people who can understand English now? Yeah, absolutely. And get your lo- jokes, yep. Uh, yeah, well, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you came back to Australia after having this life-changing experience in Thailand for a couple of weeks with a bunch of girls and, hmm. and your wife, Rebecca, and... What did you do next? Yeah, all of those things I think helped to affirm what was coming next and that through this process of studying, I was trying to work out where can I best make a difference? That was the passion God had given me, okay. make a difference. Could I be a teacher? Was it radio? Yeah, I was going to um, say, you still doing radio at this point? Uh, I did, yeah, I did. I found community radio again and got back involved. Um, so all these things were going, what's the best way I can make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um and through the process, um, I became clearer and those around me through the process that to become a minister in the Uniting Church, that was where God was calling me. And so the studies were heading in that direction anyway, um, but it just was clarified. And so even those overseas, awareness of some of the, the needs of the world and mm-hmm. uh, and in, in Adelaide as well, some things that I'd experienced helped to shape that so where did you go first? Uh, so you decided, yeah. yep, I'm going to become a minister. I'm going to teach people about Jesus and God and whatnot. And now I need to find a church to go to. Yeah. So there's a bit of a process in that. Um, but cut a long story short, uh, we went to the place we you know, we didn't want to go. <laughs> that uh, We had some, some places we thought were just a little bit too far away from family. Um, and we ended up on the Air Peninsula. Which is where you wanted to go or not wanted to go? Uh, it was initially not. Um, you can be honest because they'll be watching. So Yeah, well, we we were about to have a baby. So we okay. had a, a, well, we by the time we moved, we had a three-month-old baby. Right. And so we felt that somewhere close to family around Adelaide would be ideal. Uh, this place happened to be, you know, a day's drive away. Okay. Um, and... Uh, but long story short, as we had a conversation, we prayed about it. We just knew this was a right fit. Uh, so we ended up in Cummins on the Air Peninsula. It's another farming town, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a centre for the surrounding area. And I had four churches to look out, out for in that area. Um, the furthest was Locke, which was a 50-minute drive 
from Cummins. And uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind um, taking the things that I'd experienced. I'd been a youth pastor. I'd done some things. I'd learned academically some things. Mm -hmm. But to be out there in the community across such a broad area, to be a new dad, to be uh, far from family was uh, was a whirlwind. Uh, but we loved it. Really, really good. Now, being a new dad, how did that feel when your first child came along? Oh, it, it, pretty special. I mean, I mean on one hand, uh, what they don't tell you is when they come out, they're all like blue and shriveled. And, oh, okay. Uh, We're talking about this. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's like, well, you know, were you adorable right off? Uh, actually, pretty ugly for that first <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, but uh, oh, it's such a special thing to have your own child if, you, if you're able to. Um, yeah, for us, a real blessing. Um, so I think I've got a photo of my ordination uh, with... We're still talking about your children. Yeah, oh, yeah. But no, it, hang on. No, the picture it, does have a picture. Yeah, of, this yeah. is our, here with our first one. We took him over. Um, I was ordained into ministry in the Uniting Church. Uh, and having a child also opened up a whole lot of conversations with people too you can't have a you know push a pram down the street or hold a child and not start conversations so so that was a win what about the first time that your eldest son said dad do you remember that moment oh i think yeah it was probably pretty early on we we like they make noises like dad and you you claim that as dad okay (laughs) yes um but yeah he was he's a bit of a trooper he started walking on his first birthday um, so yeah, you watch those proud moments and even now just seeing them take to sport and things, uh, you know, from where they start to where they are now, it's, it's, it's a privilege being a dad. Um, love it. Aww, mm. Look at the softer side of Matt with things <laughs> today. Okay. So now you're an ordained minister, you're looking after four churches, which means you've got a whole bunch of people that you have to sort of shepherd really yeah that was a learning curve Uh, but great people over there really uh down to earth country community and a lot of young children young farmers with young children born at the same time as ours we we had two more children while we were over there uh and loved it Uh, but i will tell one story and i've got a photo of this um okay there is uh, a learning curve that comes with country roads as well and this is this is our car um, and, uh, one, there were particular roads that, mm-hmm. uh, dirt, uh, gravel, most of the roads around apart from the highways were there, but, uh, the, are pretty, when they're graded and when, when it's, they're pretty solid, pretty good to drive on at a reasonable speed. Mm-hmm. But one morning I was driving on a road uh, on the way to the airport, actually, uh, it was still dark, a little foggy and the road that I'd driven on a week before, and it was a nice firm foundation had been graded and uh, the gravel was all loose it was um, and I probably hadn't left enough time to get to the airport but uh, I drove in in not to the conditions and uh, well as you can see for the photo for those who see it the car didn't survive the journey Um, fortunately I did um, but that car was was written off um, and uh as it turns out, someone pulled up behind me and was heading past the airport and I still made my flight uh, and I got to Adelaide and called home and said, hey, I made it, but the car didn't. Can you call the police in the tow truck just to let them know? No, so, that your car's sitting uh, on the side of the road. Yeah, but so much to learn of, you know, we city slickers when we go to the country. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was learned pretty early on. 
we will be back with more life bursts and more of Matt's story straight after this. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle RawCutAU. Welcome back to Life Bus with Matt and Sarah. Today, I, Sarah, am chatting with Matt. Uh, we are now at the part of your story where you are, yeah, looking after four different churches, mm-hmm. new time minister, you've just ridden off your car, mm-hmm. like lots of fun adventures. And you're a new dad too. And mm-hmm. you got a little bit little soft side there of Matthew. Yeah, well. yeah with everything, <laughs> with your children. Uh, at some point, you moved away from being at the four churches and you were placed somewhere else. Yes. Um, before we get there, though, we did um, just as a quick in that, that stint in uh, the Peninsula because we had one child. We thought if we're going to have more, we um, Beck had a bit of a travel bug, bug having done her rotary exchange. If we're going to go overseas, it's got to be now. So we had a whirlwind tour of of Europe over a few weeks. Ooh, okay. We took our ten month old child along, and uh, we basically some people take a lawn gnome and take photos around the world of you know, or something like that. We had a child. Um, so he's the most photographed of all our kids in front of all these great <laughs> landmarks. Uh, and that was a great trip to get in there as well. Um, but also over there, one of the, the real highlights of that time um, on the Air Peninsula was that uh, the Cummins Church had its centenary, 100 years. And uh, during that time, I had a chance to be a part of leading that service and leading uh, communion, Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother, uh, Helen, she also happened to be an ordained Uniting Church minister um, in New South Wales at the time. She was retired. Uh, but she came over, and what we made it special was that she'd actually lived in Cummins when her dad had been the minister looking after those churches. Oh, that's very special. So she had a connection and uh, this 100 years celebration, I was able to uh, to share in that celebration with her uh, to lead the people in that sacrament. Um, and only just this year, um, my nana passed on. So um, that was a special memory that's to be able to do memory. that with her. Mm. That's very special. Yeah, but as you said, we did move. We did uh, move. Got to yeah. a point with three children that uh, three children now. Three children okay. now. Three we children. need to, you know, let's move a bit closer to Adelaide if we can. Mm-hmm. So after four and a half years there, we uh, we found had a great conversation with a little church in the Adelaide Hills, a town called Achunga, a beautiful little spot, and uh, that's where we moved. Uh, that was now uh, nearly eight years ago. So we moved there, uh, settled into the town, and uh, it's, again, a a great country community, although a little bit closer to the city, (laughs) closer to family and friends. Um, And we've loved that time. Uh, Had another, our fourth child there. We've got three boys and a girl. And, uh, yeah, great community that I'm still a part of, uh, leading as their pastor. But it's during that time that uh, I met Sarah and Life Bursts, this program was birthed and <laughs> it was. Uh, I was going to say something like in this little section here yeah. that, you, that you said that uh, you didn't bring a prop, but I said, no, I'm here. That's right. So I brought, like I brought Sarah prop. along today. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> but uh, that again, it was a chance to, uh, we both thought this is a great opportunity with a community radio station starting mm. in the area, which was new at the time, uh, to, to do something that showcases um, local stories. And so uh, this, 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 
the program continues in different forms and now in different formats uh, in different ways. So I have loved being a part of that. Oh, me too. Yes. Well, that's good. I'm glad, <laughs> glad you said yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And that's glad that you said that too. It's great. We got we got that on film, everyone. <laughs> it's excellent. Okay. So now you're at Ichunga and you've just got one church. What was the biggest difference from going from four to one? Yeah. Well, in some ways you'd think you wouldn't be so busy um, because you're not having to go across different churches. But mm-hmm. what I found over, over there is that uh, because I wasn't always at a particular church each Sunday, lots of people stepped up and did things, you know, preaching and all those things. Things mm-hmm. were filled. Uh, whereas at one place, uh, it's much easier to expect that the minister or the person paid to be there will yeah. be taking on a lot of that role. Um, so that, that's a difference uh, and a challenge to manage that too because it's never supposed to be about one person. It's uh, it's about bringing everyone's gifts out and, and they're um, so... Yeah, that was a bit of a difference, but also good to be a part of a community every week to uh, to hear the challenges and to be able to follow people up when they're uh, you know sick one week and uh, next week how you going, um, which you miss out a bit when you're you're not in the same place week after week. You were able to become uh, sort of more deeper in people's lives. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to be able to um, build on uh, messages each week as well, rather than be scattered and uh, all those things are are really helpful uh, to build a community, build a relationship with the community. And also to be in the community as we were um, initially the first few years and and still working in the community to get to know uh, know, people in the school and down the street, uh, the sports club, in one community is much easier than spread across a whole area. Yeah. We have a photo uh, just recently, last year, so 2020 yeah. was when the COVID pandemic began and church looked a little bit different. Tell us about this picture. Yeah, well, I guess every everything changed uh, at the start of the COVID pandemic and uh, some still has not gone back mm. to, to normal or normal that was. Uh, we went online for church and so uh, my uh, church for us was in our lounge room for a lot of last year up until October. Uh, and I ran that as a pre-recorded uh, thing on YouTube. We found some recordings and, and things to make it meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my family, we sat around together and late, later as restrictions eased, we did that together in community in home groups watching the service. And we still today, uh, with still some restrictions, are encouraging um, the church to gather with each other, not just from home, but you can, the services live stream from the church building. You can do it in community in different ways. And that's been uh, challenging and exciting as well. Uh, and on this thing that's been thrown upon all of us. You just love people, Matt. I think it's really given people listening, people who watch the show, maybe have like followed life bursts for the past well, over six years now, better insight into who you are, Matt, and really how much you do love people and coming alongside people and sharing in people's lives and actually genuinely want to be there with them. It, it's it's great and refreshing to hear, you know, somebody actually wants to do that in, in this world. So thank you for sharing that. That's all right, yeah. With us on today's show. Final question that we ask all of our guests, so hopefully you're prepared for this one, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is if you had one piece of advice to leave with our listeners today, what would that be? Yeah, if I could give two, 
Um, of course, well, it's your show too, so you do whatever you want. One one relates <laughs> one relates to what you just shared. Okay. Um, I think uh, for all of us, we can learn to be better listeners. So uh, t- sitting down and hearing people's stories and getting to understand them goes a long way to helping us love people. If we can understand them and, and why they act and react in certain ways, uh, it helps to be patient, it helps to love them. And so... Uh, that that would be my advice. Take the time to to listen and get to know people. Life verse is one way you can do that. Um, but for the people in your life, particularly the ones that great with us, um, it, it helps. Uh, the second is that uh, for me, uh, you know, faith is so important. You know, I believe Jesus came to give life and life in its fullness to all of us. So if there is, uh, you know. It, it, Go and explore that. Don't just take for granted the fact that you've been told it's not for you. Uh, make up your own mind. Do your own research. Uh, there are plenty of people who believe that. So look into the the goodness of it and why. Help to understand. Thank you for your two pieces of advice. It's your show. You do what you want. It's pleasure. Like, it's <laughs> actually. Uh, you can catch up with Life Burst wherever you get your podcast from. I'm going to let you help me with the outro if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Catch up with Life Burst wherever you get your podcast from. You can also watch us on YouTube and Facebook and hear us on community television and radio. This has been Life Burst. Enjoying Matt. I'm Sarah. And, yes, I am Matt. Thanks for <laughs> letting me share your story. We look forward to more stories week by week still to come. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.